Listeners, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to the show Office Hours, co hosted by Sabelle Kaler and Ingrid Allen. I'm Ingrid, and previously this show was hosted only by Sabelle, uh, who was lovely enough to invite me on as a co host before our spring break. So I'll be handling today's episode where I interview two UCI grad students, Courtney Eccles and Nalia Rodriguez. Um, They spoke to me about the UCI for COLA movement occurring on our campus and across the UC. Um, The UCI for COLA movement is a movement focused on alleviating the rent burden currently facing the graduate students. So I found this today's episode very, very informative and very, very interesting to talk to them and I hope you enjoy. I am joined by Courtney and Nalia. Um, if you guys don't mind, can you introduce yourselves and uh, let me know your research concentrations? Hi, uh, my name is Nalia Rodriguez. I'm a third-year PhD student in sociology, and my research focuses on the intersections of race, gang violence, and gang violence uh, intervention and prevention in El Salvador. And I am Courtney Eccles. I am a fourth-year PhD student in um, criminology, law, and society. And my research focuses on historic anti-Black violence and transitional justice, so things like reparations, truth and reconciliation, commissions, memorials, uh, that sort of thing. That's super cool. So you guys are, you know, very big and interested on social justice topics. Sure. Now, do you want to take that or you want me to... You can go ahead. Sure. So, um, as folks may already be aware, um, back in fall quarter, uh, our comrades at UC Santa Cruz um, demonstrated their collective power, demanding that the university um, pay them a cost of of living adjustment that would bring them out of rent burden. Um, And so since the fall, they've been conducting um, a wildcat grading strike um, withholding fall grades until their demands are met. And then in February, um, they escalated into a full teaching strike. Um, and these strikers, they've received support from faculty, students, and staff all across the country. Um, and yet the UC system has continued to escalate matters, even resorting to police violence and threats of deportation. Um, and then as of February 28, um, 80 plus UC Santa Cruz students have been fired, which makes up about 10% of the total teaching assistant population at UC Santa Cruz. And as of even just yesterday, student conduct charges and letters of termination are continuing to be issued to UC Santa Cruz graduate students. UC campuses have launched their own um, COLA campaign, and so COLA is the acronym for Cost of Living Adjustment, um, and many campuses are striking as well. Um, And then here at Irvine, we're obviously not only in solidarity with our comrades across the UCs, but we we too share in the experience of being burdened by rent um, and unfair wages. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know, like, specifically how the UCI administration has been handling um, the COLA solidarity action. Are 
has there any been any victories won or is it mainly a feeling of being placated by them yeah so 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 actually on on thursday february 20th um that's when um, uc irvine um graduate students launched um, our cola campaign um and that's where over 200 uci graduate students and supporters um, marched and rallied in solidarity with the UC Santa Cruz drivers and to call attention to um, the high cost of living here in Irvine. We also think it's important to point out that the Chancellor continues to refuse to even acknowledge us, has continuously ignored our emails and attempts to contact him, and continues to b- bring in police presence at all of our events. I was wondering if you guys could talk um, about how you guys are um, handling the pandemic situation along with the um, campaign, how are you guys um, still able to um, make your presence known when we're all quarantined? Mm-hmm. Well, so, something that I think is important, sorry, um, Courtney, uh, is that since we started, we've had a really strong presence on social media. And I think that our social media presence prior to COVID-19 has allowed us to maintain some of, uh, some of the same, like, strength in numbers that we were seeing before COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and so I think that, that that has really helped us. And Courtney, do you want to speak a little bit more about uh, some of the other efforts that we've... Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, so the, the COLA campaign is also very obviously a matter of public health um, because people are living in cramped or inadequate housing conditions due to um, the low wages that we receive from the university and the high um, cost of rent that were charged by the university. Um, and so, so many, many students simply don't have the privilege of implementing social distancing. Um, and so we argue that, that the crisis itself um, gives new urgency to our movement and renders our fight even all the more necessary. I wanted to circle back to what you were saying about um, the larger workload that grad students are facing as classes are coming, are, are now online. Can you discuss um, your thoughts on how like the workplace and the the your home have become one and the same? So one of the things that I think um, stands out to me the most is when we sign our leases to live on campus, one of the disclosure statements that we have to sign is about possibly living in a, in a housing condition where there is mold or, and asbestos. Um, and I personally have lived in an apartment on campus that has had mold. And so what does it mean when now I'm being forced to, to work in an apartment in my home that also has mold, um, that creates a very unsafe work environment. Not only is like the physical structure itself um, be- becomes unsafe, but it also, like my personal space is unsafe now because now my IP address, for example, will be able to be shared via Zoom. Uh, people will have access to to where I, to, to knowledge of where I live, right? And I think part of that is also seeing so, like for example, some classes require us to show our our video, our um, 
video camera. And um, the lack of safety and security is continuing to show itself um, through, for example, the racist attacks that have been occurring and are going to continue to occur in UC class sessions, meetings, and other events. To share a few examples, but I also don't want to go into too much detail because it is um, it can be re-traumatizing for folks. But um, for example, um, um, as part of our UCI Procola Social Welfare Strike and in partnership with the UCY Strike University, um, we've been hosting teach-ins and events um, um, throughout the past um, couple of weeks. Um, and so during it and just Zoom bombing, and I, I, don't, I probably don't like to use that terminology because I think it is an understatement for what, for what really is happening there. Um, so, but in one example, that was it was a faculty-led, uh, a UCI faculty-led teaching, um, and 30 plus, and we had enabled all of the additional security um, measures that Zoom and UCI had recommended, and even still, 30 plus racists and hackers simultaneously bombed the event. They shouted racial slurs. They videoed themselves engaging in explicit acts. They drew Nazi symbols all over the screen. Oh my God, that's horrible. Event. Yeah, and this is, and that's not, that's not an anomaly. That has been a continuous occurrence day in and day out. Um, as Nalia and I both have uh, bear witness to. Um, and I would say like across um, the nation, how education has really become a, a business model um, to profit off of uh, with one of the biggest examples being like tech, the textbook industry, you know, taking up this fight, you guys are fighting against something that has been going on for years with it only growing. Um, ultimately, do you see this being like a years long fight in terms of trying to stop the university and education from continuing to be a business? I mean, I personally think that, that yes, like this is going to be a long-term issue and it's not going to be solved um, from one moment to the next. And I think that that's part of what these efforts uh, across the state uh, with other UCs are trying to to build, right, a, a strong contingency to, to continue the movement um, into the foreseeable future. Yeah, I was just, I was just um, sort of echoing what now you were saying, that this is really a fight against the, the capitalistic um, system that creates these conditions, and the UC is one of the largest capitalistic institutions, not just in California, but across America. Um, EA salary comprise only 0.6% of the UC's entire budget, um, despite the fact that the UC simply would not function without and other graduate student workers. Um, additionally, um, our own chancellor, not only has he received um, two raises within the past six years, but he is paid an annual salary of $520,000 plus an annual $9,000 vehicle allowance. Um, and the UC, um, they is back in 2014, increased the pay of chancellors across four campuses by as much as 20%. And then again in 2017, eight UC chancellors, including our own, received raises 
And again, as I mentioned, we're not just talking about a little bit of money here. Our own chancellor makes over half a million dollars annually. And and it was also revealed that um, the UC Santa Cruz um, chancellor was in charge of a discretionary fund of approximately $120 million from which they were drawing from in order to pay for that additional police presence at the picket line. I would say as an undergrad that they just don't understand the realities of debt financing. You, from the perspective of um, the um, COLA cam campaigners, do you guys have any insight into how you see leadership can change, um, you know, beyond, of course, meeting the demands of um, the grad students, but like overall in the future, how can leadership among um, public education change so that it actually um, doesn't have these press these horrible like historical legacies of um, of debt financing for the millennials and Generation Z. Well, I think that one thing that we're we were pushed to mobilize towards um, as a result of COVID, but something that we had already been talking about in in regards to housing is that housing for students on campus should be completely free, right? Um, we're already paying exorbitant rates uh, just to attend a school. And like you're saying, um, debt has only increased. It's become increasingly more expensive. Even like just UCI compared to the national average is really expensive to attend. Um, and so one way is just making housing free. Yeah, and then I'll also add too that as um, part of our um, UCI for COLA initiative and the, COLA, the UCY COLA movement, um, two weeks ago, we launched um, Strike University, which is really um, um, an effort to create the university that we um, d deserve and reimagining what the university could look like. Um, and so essentially it's like a digital initiative. Strike University is a think tank for the um, UC-wide solo movement, but it's also really the People's University. It's intended to provide um, free and um, accessible public education to everyone um, that centers critical thinking, popular education, communities of care and shared struggle, um, brilliance without experts, um, social transformation, um, decolonization, um, and really prioritizing the needs and lived experiences of indigenous and black individuals, as well as other POC, LGBTQ plus community. With mentioning um, uh, Strike University, I wanted to ask, um, I was just wondering, um, with being grad students, you work alongside um, different professors every year, and I was wondering, you know, with your own goals, possibly becoming a professor yourself, you guys um, seem to envision like a very... Um, like a much needed future, as you said, for um, LGBT and people of color. Um, I was wondering how, what have your experiences been working with the professors that are tenured or already established at the UC, whether they're supportive or not supportive, whether they understand the need for that same kind of future, or if you feel that, you know, they're completely out of touch? So I think that it varies very differently across the UC campuses. Um, I think that it's no shock to, to know that UCI tends to be a pretty progressive campus and 
as a result, the faculty tend to be more, I mean, pretty conservative campus, um, and faculty tend to be more conservative here, I think, than, than in other UCs. Um, that is to also say that we have a lot of amazing support from faculty um, at UCI that have been really supportive since the very beginning of the movement. Um, and these are faculty that have for a really long time seen the downfalls of the university and have been raising some of these issues since they were students themselves uh, at various universities. Oh, that's super, that's super great to hear that there is support and understanding. Um, sometimes I feel like there is a large generational divide between the boomers and, and everybody younger. And also I'll say too, as part of our um, social welfare campaign and um, mutual aid fundraising, it's been a lot of faculty who have been donating and rightfully so, right? Um, um, I think the, the, a large point of this is to redistribute the wealth particularly in this time of need, from faculty to um, the students and, and workers who, um, who need it most, particularly amidst this um, um, public health crisis. Um, but the faculty have really um, been the ones who have um, been contributing to those funds and also um, assisting in leading some of those efforts. Um, that's great. But also, yeah, not to say that they can't do more. Um, they certainly can. Um, I mean, I think we would call on all faculty to do more. There's certainly more that, that all faculty can be doing and should be doing, and, and quite frankly, are, are falling short. Um, and then also, too, I think it's important to point out the curious situation that many of the lecturers are in um, as a result of um, the UC. Um, prior to and then also during this crisis. Um, and so many, many, many faculty um, who are not tenured or tenured track um, are, are finding themselves in similar um, situations as students, as um, campus workers who are being laid off. Um, and so I think it's important to um, uplift and acknowledge um, their precariousness as well. Yeah, so part-time faculty or adjunct faculty, they're, um, they sometimes don't qualify or the UC sees them as not qualifying for certain protections. Um, I wanted to ask Nalia a follow-up question where you um, were discussing um, the different campuses and the different um, uh, progressive or conservative personalities of each one. I was wondering um, if you guys have any thoughts on w how the movement started at UC Santa Cruz or um, if there is any particular factors that all came together to help it take off at UC Santa Cruz in particular? Yeah, so um, I think the most significant factor for starting the strike at Santa Cruz was during our last union um, contract ratification vote, UC Santa Cruz overwhelmingly voted ratifying the contract. UC Santa Cruz is also known as the campus that is most likely to strike. Um, and so after various 
attempts of trying to one this issue of of um, the last union contract being ratified. Just there were various issues um, with the elect voting ratification process itself. Um, but one of the most important issues was a lack of um, pressure on the administration to provide a cost of living adjustment that would allow Santa Cruz students um, to pay, to be able to pay for rent. Um, so recognizing that Santa Cruz already didn't want the current contract, had already in 2018 um, recognized that they that they didn't have enough money to survive as students or as people. Um, it's it's to no surprise that they would be the first to initiate this this movement. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit more about about that, Courtney? And that influx from Silicon Valley workers has driven the price up so that to be a student going to school there, um, you're expected to pay those Silicon Valley prices is just like absurd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, One question that I was curious about is um, one thing I was, you mentioned that, you know, terminations are still going out to UC Santa Cruz students. Um, How has um, the grading situation um progressed since winter i think um i don't think that we are in a position to speak on what um other campuses are doing in terms of their grading or grade strike or or full strike um but um at least in terms of uci um so uci students um on march 30th began a um social welfare strike which um, a social welfare strike essentially means that instead of um, conducting business class um, or work as usual, we began redirecting all of our labor um, toward tending to the food, housing, and urgent needs of all of the UCI students and workers. Um, and these efforts also really highlight the um, deep disparity between um, the university's obligation to care for students and workers and their attempts to maintain institutional and academic continuity, particularly during a global um, pandemic. And so as I alluded to um, earlier, each day we've been engaging um, in a number of activities all centered around these needs, um, ranging from mass email campaigns to teach-ins to workshops to community building to direct mutual aid contributions. Um, And then during week one alone, uh, we raised over $6,000 in, um, in funds that we have since redistributed to students in need. Um, we also crowdsourced information, created um, COVID-19 frequently asked question resource guides uh, for those experiencing issues such as um, finances, healthcare, um, housing, food insecurity. We also hosted um, a two-day um, food and supply drive um, and then across the UCs, COLA organizers mobilized in support of UAW candidates for the recent election. Um, and in total, 16 COLA endorsed candidates were elected into office across the state. Um, and then it's also been 45 days and still no word from the chancellor. 
So on the morning um, of April 3rd, we led a vehicle rally up to um, the Chancellor's residential compound in University Hills and then through faculty housing to draw attention to um, our demands. And again, um, the Chancellor refused to acknowledge us. And again, the Chancellor um, brought in police presence. Um, the next question I have is that uh, the current contract um, between uh, the grad students and the UC um, expires in 2022. Do you see the um, higher ups meeting you guys at the table at some point with, you know, two years ahead of you? So right now, um, I can't remember the exact date. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, Courtney, if you know it, you can help me out. Um, but the, our union filed unfair labor practice charges against the University of California in response to some unfair labor practices that they had ch charged uh, our union with. Um, I believe this was in early March. So right now the efforts uh, with the union and kind of what the statewide COLA movement is uh, organizing around in part is pushing for more support for an unfair labor labor practice strike. Um, and that would help initiate um, some of these conversations before uh, the 2022 uh, negotiation, contract negotiation comes up. So we're hoping that that we can build enough of a critical mass, and we're we're already there. We already have over two thousand uh, UC workers that have pledged to uh, to what's the what's the right wording for this? Have pledged to vote for whether or not there should be uh, unfair labor practice strike. Um, but so there's. There's hope that that it could happen sooner. There, there's the numbers there. Yeah, just to just to um, uh, piggyback off that, there's hope and then also movement um, mobilization around um, getting more signatures onto the onto the strike pledge. And then in terms of um, just want to go back to something that Nalia had said in terms of the um, unfair. Um, labor practice. So the union filed a UL, what's called a ULP, an unfair labor practice, against the UC Office of the President um, for four reasons, I believe. One, um, refusing to bargaining uh, bargain with the, our union over COLA. Wow, so many, so many different things happening with uh, the UC leadership and how it's affecting everybody. Um, we're almost running out of time here, so I just wanted to ask, thank you again, Courtney and Nalia, and also ask you um, how listeners can support COLA if they're interested in. Um, you mentioned a mutual aid fund, among many other things. Yeah, I mean, I think that for folks that are interested in, in learning more and following the movement, you should follow us at UCI for COLA uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's a that's a, a number four or or spelled out for. Um, the number four. Okay. UCI number four cola. Um, but also we have a really amazing website uh, that was put together by some of the undergraduate students that we work with 
And so the website is UCI number four cola dot com, I believe. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners. So you heard it from Courtney and Nalia, um, two members very um, present in the um, COLA campaign here at UCI, working to end debt financing, among a lot of other um, terrible precedents set by the UC. Um, again, hope you enjoyed this interview with Courtney and Nalia, and look for those links on the KUCI website. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. And then also, um, I don't know if this can, uh, maybe if you could just throw this in somewhere. Um, we also have on our website the mutual aid form. So for students in um, who in, are in need of emergency food or funds, um, we encourage them to fill out that form. And we will do our best to um, um, get the assistance needed in order to um, address those needs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, thankfully, radio is still up and running on the airwaves. You heard you heard from KUCI 88.9 in Irvine that UCI, COLA for UCI, excuse me, COLA for UCI um, has a mutual aid fund organized on their website to help any students or anyone um, in the community who is in need of um, emergency food and help. All right. Thank you, Courtney and Nalia. Thank you, thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah.